You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. Hey, we're on. Uh, we, we've done it again. Uh, Jenny, good, good to see you. Uh, we don't have Josh or Corey helping us out, which is, you know, intense. The fact that I can figure this out on my own, or maybe I'm just uh, the new beardless, technologically savvy Aaron. Yeah. Uh, so, um, welcome to Earful of Dirt. Uh, we're live on Facebook right now. So if you uh, if you come around and start hitting us with questions. Uh, this sweet software allows us to watch the comments. So like everyone can watch the comments, whereas on YouTube, no one could watch the comments at all. Unless you were. So um, that, that's really cool. So what do we got? This is a, uh, this is a quick hit. We did a quick hit a couple of weeks ago while we were on break uh, to talk about one of the games, but what do we get? What do we got now? Uh, you know, it's the final warm-up match, uh, United States versus Canada. It's actually, I think, is it our third? Yeah, it's like our third Can-Am Cup game in a calendar year, or roughly a calendar year. So, which I, I think, as a commercial thing, we always want to beat Canada. I think the more times we can, as consistently play Canada, the better. And historically, we haven't always played Canada every year, which is really... I would say is a significant problem overall uh, to grow the sport commercially because, you know, USA versus Canada and hockey is huge. So why not try to, you know, build up that same thing uh, here in rugby? Um, I, I guess this game took place of the Australia game that we were supposed to have. Unfortunately. Yeah. I think uh, from what I understand, I it's better because Canada is risky because, Historical trends aside, of late, we've certainly had the better of Canada. If some fluke, uh, whatever, loss comes this weekend as the last war before the World Cup, that would be devastating. Whereas Australia, you kind of expect to lose. So yeah, I, I think Australia would have been an interesting warm-up match. It really wouldn't have been a warm-up match. It would have been a kind of a beating for us, um, and they would have gotten their warm-up. Um Canada, on the other hand, it's like they're good enough to be very competitive against us. Um, in the last two years, like we we've beaten them, we've beaten Canada. Uh, I guess uh, eleven out of twelve tries uh, in the last. If we no, this would be this would be the eleventh win uh, out of twelve uh, meetings in the last in, in our last twelve meetings. Uh, the other the game we did not win was a draw. Uh, but one of the wins we won earlier this year was very close. To yeah, it was uh, it was very close. But that was a better roster that I, I feel like looking back at that roster. That roster for Canada was a much better roster for them than it was. Uh, wait, not for them. So that that was a that was a much better roster for us in theory. When you when you think about it, you know, TD Lomotelli was there. You had Paul Sique, like pretty much. You know, all for you know everyone that could be available was available for that game, and uh, you know it was really close. And then they had a better roster, a much better roster for us 
in the, the, the game as part of the PNC. And, you know, we, we made him look atrocious. So yeah. uh, that, that's, so in essence, I guess we call this a trap game, right? We call it a trap game. Um, Canada hasn't published their roster uh, yet, but they did publish their World Cup roster. So you do have an idea of, to an extent, what uh, what Kingsley Jones is going to go for. Uh, one yeah. of the things for, I think, for the United States has been, uh, I guess, a hinge problem. And what people want to know what coaching the hinge is. The hinge is your halfbacks. Like, uh, you know, when you don't have our halfbacks together all the time and then now like we we have like if you look at it Davies and and AJ play together all the time like they there have been very the only time they haven't played together under Gary Gold seems to be uh when either of them are injured so that that seems for for now that seems to be our knocked on starting pairing Except for the PNC. I mean, the PNC, Davies wasn't really – certainly not every week was a starter. Well, no, I, that was, that one was interesting. I think looking at where gold is going, I was surprised not to see Augsburger. Uh, I, I wasn't surprised to see how much he relied upon De Haas because uh, I went and looked back. De Haas has 13 caps under, under Gary Gold. So yeah. – and he's 20. Uh, so, like, he's, I mean, you see where Gary Gold's going. He's definitely building for the future. But the other primary, I think there was a Twitter thread I was in the other day, and it was a question of, like, ranking scrum halves in, in the United States. And, you know, Petri's name was brought up. And I looked at, although Petri was named as sort of the fourth scrum half as a non-traveling reserve for the PNC and the wider training group, he never assembled. There were 10 guys that did not assemble uh, for the PNC at all that were on the list in case, you know, injuries did happen, but none of them were called in as far as, well, no, Riker Hatting was, but he had a knee infection. So he was sent home, uh, which, which I mean, it sucks to like have a good season and then, you know, not be medically fit uh, so that you can try to earn uh, your shot and a cap. We need and we need eight depth too. I just if something happens to Cam Dolan, uh, yeah, we there's a lot to make up there, especially if Nick Savetta is hurt or you know not fully effective, and we rely on Cam also as a jumper. You know, we have, we have no one to come in for him. Yeah, that that is a significant problem because I think the the other the the other options at number eight are different players, right? Uh, it, based on who we've seen in this roster, you've got Tony Lamborn can play number eight. You've got Hinko Hamishais can play number eight. Jamison Fana Schultz can play number eight. I think the only one that is kind of similar if you put him, and we're seeing him on the USA roster this week, is Malon. They're roughly about the same size and athletically comparable, but Malon is, I think, only has three caps, so he really hasn't been used that much. And for some reason, he was in a doghouse uh, in Glendale and did not play a lot, or he was injured and they just didn't talk about it. Um, I, I'd, I'd prefer him to have been injured and not been in the doghouse because he provides a, an athletic component that, you know, some of, as far as our international backers are concerned, he's there, you know? Yeah. Um, but those are the those are the guys who are can play eights, but they, they're really like sixes. 
yeah. you know, or, or in Tony's case, he's a seven. Uh, but, uh, you know, looking, looking at where we're going, uh, did you see, who did you feel like for Kingsley Jones, who, who did you feel was hard done on, uh, based on who went to the PNC, not who didn't go to the PNC because there were players that didn't go to the PNC. Uh, so they weren't, I would say they were hard done by not being selected originally. Um, but players that did play in the PNC that didn't get selected by Kingsley Jones for the world cup, who do you think was hard done by? I'm looking at a list right here. I, it's possible. I'm going to forget exactly who was in the PNC, but, uh, I think Souter comes to mind. Um, um, let's see. Um, Olmstead is in there. Um, yeah. Justice Sears Drew, I like that. I mean, no one is really sticking out to me as as a, a snub from the Canadian World Cup roster. Um, the one, for, the one for me that did is uh, maybe this is one two doesn't have the other was Rob Brower uh, compared to Hubert Biden's. Uh, Hubert Rob Brower basically started every single game. I think he started fifteen games for the Arrows and played a heck of a lot and was rewarded with it for his form being named, you know, all major league, first team, all major league rugby. So that, that's really Theo Souter not being named. A, yeah. I, I, like, I like, I love Brower as an MLR player. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't didn't prepare any of this. I could be remembering wrong, but if memory serves, um, when Nola played Toronto though, I feel like Hubert Biden's was out there scrumming and they were just, you know, surprisingly getting the better of Toronto. And I, I just, I remember during, the, I, I think I remember feeling during that match that Hubert Biden is really showing his veteran scrum presence in a way I, I ha- didn't expect in advance. So now I'm not really surprised that he's. I, I look at Hubert cause he's been, he's been such a mainstay as a prop for, for Canada, much in the way that I look at Fry now, um, because, you know, I've been very critical of, of Fry's form in the past, especially for the Eagles, because there were times we would get penalized where you're, you're thinking about this, you know, longtime pro and that shouldn't be getting penalized like this uh, because he just, you know, he's in an environment that is completely professional. And, but when I think about Biden's and, and say Fry is there, they're longtime pros, or I guess more so Fry than, than than Biden's, but they're your long, long-standing loose heads that have been in the squad for a very long time, and they do things that, uh, as uh, a friend of the show, um, Larry Lawrence Weisel says about Eric Fry, uh, and um, and Hubert Biden's also, I would think, is he he does the little things. That you really can't like, unless you're the coach, you you really can't talk about because most of us, uh, to an extent, I understand what he means about like what Fry does. Like, I I yeah. really do, um, but it took me a long time to realize what that meant, and I think that's what Biden's does. And I'm not saying Rob Brower doesn't do that at all. I'm just that may be why Kingsley selected Biden's, and then went young the rest of the way because you know biden's or brower they're an eight their difference in age is one year brower is 36 biden's is 37 so they're neither of them are going to be long-term fixes at loose head the next cycle 
Brower will be 40, Biden's will be 41, and neither of them will probably be playing in MLR. Uh, if they are, holy heck, good for yeah. them. So, I mean, both are both yeah, towards the end of their career. Have you seen more? I mean, in a World Cup, when you're playing not MLR teams, but the best front rows in the world, you know, you want a guy who's seen some stuff. You know, like it's you need someone who's ready for any or at least a wider range of tricks that might come out there uh, in the trenches. And I think Biden's gives him that more so than Brower. Yeah. And, and I, I guess I look in the backs, the, 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 the questions I had real, I mean, I really didn't have any questions in the forwards for Canada, but in the backs, I, I think people, especially MLR players do have question do have reasonable questions as to why they're not playing because, well, they're pros and the people that are in the squad are part of the, like, they're not pros. They're yeah. just playing club rugby. And, and they haven't been providing successful results for, you know, two or three years now. So, yeah. so, yeah, so I, you I, can't I, tell me, you look at Nick Blevins, who's older, like significantly, and saying, is this guy going to be a center of the future? And I'm not saying you should take guys because you're building towards the future, but looking at the program, you want, you don't always want to be old, like really old. Um, uh, interestingly, the U S roster has gotten even younger than, uh, when Tolkien was coached. Like, I think we were kind of old when Tolkien was coached because the, there wasn't a professional outlet domestically. And it's harder to keep at the national team level, all these young players, because, you know, all these young players. More times get noticed. I mean, you yeah. weren't on TV every week, so you had to be good for more years to attract attention to you. You know, in the pre MLR days. So, and so I, I think guys like, to an extent, I think guys like, uh, you know, Brock Scholar do have questions because he can play multiple positions. He can play fullback. He can play center. Uh, yeah. Theo Souter. Theo Souter, he's got a hard done. Yeah, he wasn't on any roster, which is like this. The guy was the scoring champion in MLR. I I know he wasn't, you know, the back of the year. I get it. But he was a scoring champion in MLR. You can't say that you can't use his skills. Uh, I think Jeff Hassler kind of takes the 14 position because Vandermeer goes over to 11 and you sort of have that. But then. So you, then you have another high school player, Theo Souter, kind of hard done by the way the season went, got injured, and when he was healthy, you had, you know, you had Levas and Miras just tearing it up, you know. So, but he was still fit for camp and didn't get the opportunity to show his skills. It, it, but these guys that are amateur players are going to the World Cup. So what does that say for for the selections? I think, but. For the most part, you are seeing an impact. There are 15 players that have MLR experience from the 2019 season uh, on this roster. And so, but looking at, so so that, I guess my biggest question for them, for Canada, really is not really nine per se. I think Phil Mack is going to be your locked on starter at nine uh, for Canada's major games, but they're, they're 10. Is it going to be O'Leary? If it's going to be O'Leary, just, just stop messing around and and have it be O'Leary and put Nelson at fifteen because it gives you a high level fullback and you know you're not really questioning about I guess Theo Souter because you've got Peter Nelson 
But if you're going to go like even more weird and put Marori at 10, who's a, you know, a nine, then we do have some questions about selections. I think we'll see. It'll be interesting to see who they, they put at 10 and nine, I guess, to a certain extent uh, for Saturday. That'll probably give us some more uh, insight on what they plan to do for the world cup. So, so what do you think uh, the, what do you think they're King, I guess Canada more so, because we'll, we'll get into it on the U S side is wanting to get out of this. I think for if you're Canadian rugby going into this World Cup, you're in a, a tough situation because you have two competing interests that are, in, in a sense, mutually exclusive. On the one hand, you need your program to start regaining popularity, which means you need to win, do well at a World Cup. On the other hand, as you were observing, you know you need to develop the future too, and so you need youth in there. Um, so I think. It, I think what they're going to try to do, and this is, I don't mean to have a cop-out answer, but I think they, they're going to try to strike that balance of doing well enough that they you know, come home happy and the Canadian rugby community will be at least partially reinvigorated um, while getting as much experience to the next generation as possible. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty much where Canada is. I, I don't really understand why they're not going younger um, say bringing Persilier, Persilier, uh, onto this roster. I know he's like nineteen twenty, but you know, U.S. has a twenty-year-old scrum half. Like, come on! I mean, Persilier is playing at a high level in the Espoir League. Uh, I think it's with Claremont. Um, so wh- why he's not on this roster, I I, I don't know. Um, I would have used the PNC to get him a lot of time and spin him up. Like that, that's what I would have done. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in charge of Canada. Uh, going So I guess now looking at this match and for, from the U.S. side, what, what do you think about this roster? I like it. For the most part, very happy with it. I, I think it, the PNC made things a little more confusing than they had been in a while. Uh, I think, you know, this is Gary Gold showing his hand a little more clearly again. Um, there are a couple things I regret. I regret that. You know, AJ is not, if this is really the first choice team, more or less, that we won't have had one run up with AJ you know, between the ARC and the World Cup, um, you know, with, with the first choice starters. Um, so that, I think that's a bummer, but, you know, McGee, it, it looks like McGee is going to be the answer to the backup 10 question. Um, based on, you know, primarily on just this roster today. Um, so that's good. You know, it'll be good to at least have that, you know, with the starters. Um, I love the front row. I'm worried about lineouts. I think, obviously, we're hoping Savetta comes back. Um, but, you know, we need to clearly be prepared for a world without Savetta. And this is the best we have for lineouts without Savetta. So if we can't look good in lineouts this weekend against Canada, you know, we're really going to be reliant on Savetta for any sort of line on success in the World Cup. So I'm, I'm going to be closely focused on that in particular. Um, and I think the nine battle is, as everyone talks about all the time, is completely up in the air. I have no idea who, who Gary Gold is going to start at nine. Um, so this seems like you know Nate Augsburg's you know most obvious chance to win that job if he can do well this weekend. So I'll be watching that. Yeah, I, I look at this roster and, and based on just fitness, this has to be 
for for the most part, I think this has to be minus the halfback pairing is when it comes to the fir- the 15, it has to be your first choice, right? Um, I, I look at this, uh, you know, <sighs> Eric Fry is finally healthy. And I will say, like, one of the things I, I saw is, like, the dude has abs now. Like, they have been, like, they're, That's they're, right out of the props, they're like, seven Real weeks, forward. like, they're, like, seven-week camp, like, put them in fitness, like, they are, like, this team is going to be very physical. Like, they're going to be able to run around the park against a team like Canada. I'm, well, I'm very sure. They out a guy like Bryce Campbell for Marcel Brocky in the centers, which is like a, a step down in physicality, if you ask me. Well, I, I think somewhat that is like a skill thing. And I want to say just because of how much of a – I'm not saying Bryce Campbell's not a leader. And I'm not saying Bryce Campbell's less skilled. I think we've seen a lot more of Bryce's skills since he came back. Like he's with London Irish now, but we've seen a lot more of the skills that he has rather than I would say during the Mitchell era when he was playing uh, like right out of college, uh, you saw the, the bowling ball, Bryce Campbell. I think now, not necessarily at the international level because of coaching, but I think just because of the higher level uh, that he has played with MLR and now London Irish, you're seeing his his other skills. He can kick the ball from hand. He is a decent distributor, and he can also rumble. But we're also seeing that from Lasique too, because everyone thought Lasique was just you know a bowling ball when he <laughs> is in fact a bowling ball. But he can also kick from hand and distribute because he's playing been, been playing rugby since he was like two. So Paul CK kicks from hand. I'm a happy guy. So kicks are lasers in the yeah. PNC. So uh, I, I, for me, it's like like I talked about with with Fry. You've got a guy that that does the little things. Seeing Tofete uh, ready to go and Lamosti Lamostelia, I, I want to see what they do because this is a fully European professional front row. And if you look at this, I mean, you, you've got the type five. Um, I, I don't think Ben Landry is returning to Ealing. He might be, but because it, it says that's his club, but I know he was on a one-year deal. So he might be returning. They just haven't said anything. I'm not sure. Uh, but you have an entire type five that spent the entire season last year playing in Europe. Um, Eric Fry of the four, of the five, the least because he was injured and, you know, recovery from that. But still, guys that are all European professionals, which for the moment is, you know, is the top level of play right now. Uh, but when you go down this roster, again, there is not a single amateur player on this roster for the United States. And this is, like, pretty freaking awesome. Um, and then like, the, the back row is, is where the interesting questions get. I'm more of a John Quill at six and a Hanko Hamishice at seven type guy, but I, you know, they're, they're both on the field. I, yeah. I, I would have gone if Tony Lamborn was available, honestly, I might've gone with Tony Lamb and that gives you two short flankers. Eh, historically, you, I mean, with the way selections are going, your seven is sort of the smaller one. And the, uh, the the six is more of your, like, dirty work guy that's also physically bigger. But 
maybe, you know, maybe I wanted to see a little more of Maylon because what we've seen in flashes during PNC was very good. And I, you know, John Quill has 35 caps. I know what John Quill is going to give me. I kind of want to see what Maylon can give me. Um, I know at this point with uh, 15, was it 16 caps with uh, Hank O'Hamashais, I know what he's going to give me. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you've got Cam Dolan. So if you look at, if I look at line out uh, possibilities uh, based on where we've done, you know, our caller has been, has been Nick, like it, it has been Nick. So, but then you go to the, to the options, uh, you know, the caller for line outs and the line out leader for NOLA has been Cam Dolan. Uh, John Quill can take ball in the line out. Greg Peterson, well, he's six foot nine. So, and I've seen them, I've seen them thrust his massive self yeah. uh, in the air for lineouts. And then Van Landry also, also takes the ball in the air also. So I think we have options. The difference is the guy making the calls. How will we, how will we do there? And I think during the PNC, especially when we went to, uh, for the Samoa game, we did okay. Uh, Japan, I think, I think we did okay too. It's just now we've had two games to deal with not having Nick Savetta. Uh, then let's see what we can do in the line out here against Canada. Cause if we steal a bunch of their balls, you know, I, I'm good to go. Um, the, sure. the, Deal a bunch of their balls. I'll be happy if we just retain eighty percent of our own throws. Yeah. So I guess before I touch on the halfbacks, uh, you know the back five. Um, I think Martin Yosefo has sort of impressed with his coaching staff to an extent. Um, previous to the PNC, he only had two caps, and those were both under Mitchell. Uh, well before Gary Gold was on the radar, uh, and he has played in both. I think he started all three PNC games. Actually, um, he started the first one. I thought, yeah, I, I think I, he, thought, I think it made two or three, but I, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. And then you know, talked to you know a bunch of the GMs who who'd spoken to and talked to Gary Gold at in Glendale, and they they Martin really impressed in camp. Like that's why he yeah, started. Yeah, he must see something light against Canada. Yeah, They're Seen it exactly. I, you know, I, there are some of those sevens bad habits with Martin, and the reason why they're bad habits is because they don't work with fifteens. Like those, are, like you can do those things in sevens, just like there are fifteens bad habits. If you're going, like if you're a fifteens player and you're going to transition to sevens and try to play on the sevens World Series, you're gonna have to unlearn a bunch of stuff because the games are different. Like they just are. Um, uh, so Marcel being at 13, not really surprised at the selection, uh, really, because he's played, even though like he's got 18 caps, I feel like he's got 30 and he's played all across our back line at 11, at 12, at 13, at 14 and at 15. He's kind of one of those guys. It seems that you can't like take off. He can kick from hand, uh, you know, he is a distributor and he's, you know, he's pretty big. Like he is a physical player. And if you look overall at this roster, the only person under six foot is Nate Augsburger. Or wait, no, no, Paula Sique is 5'11", but, but still I would say the only short person on this roster is Nate Augsburger. 
think of that that says a lot about where we're going with with selections and physicality. What stars. What's Dylan Fawcett? He's probably not six foot. He's like I think he's five eleven, six foot. He's not he's not huge. We're like he's a little taller than me. So I mean, maybe it's the mustache that gives him an extra. Oh, yeah, inch. I get your point though. Yeah. I mean it's a big it's definitely a big squad. I, I think obviously they see something with Brock with uh, ISFO rather. Um and look I dynamic attacking, I think, finds its way onto the pitch some way. I mean, they, they find a place to put you. Wing is a great place to put you. Um, based on what I've seen, which is not – I don't see cam, but I don't know what they're doing you know, when they're off the TV camera. I, I probably – this is probably my third you know, most optimal choice for the backs. I probably would have – for me, just based on this 23, I probably would have started – Campbell at center, Brocky at wing with the ISF on the bench. And if not that, I probably would have started Brocky at center and maybe Mikey Teo at wing. Yeah, I, 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 I take that for sure. Uh, one of the things for me is, you know, like you said, attacking, like dynamic attack. Well, Mikey Teo gives you a dynamic attack, right? Um, I guess the question is what – so if you put – if you take Yosefo off you, and you keep Brocky on – are you bringing, like you said, maybe Teo? Where where are you putting? I'm bringing Bryce Campbell. Center. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't see that. My biggest thing is is like you said, a regret is I wanted to see the first choice for one game, like at every position, if healthy. And right now, I think the only guy who's really not healthy is Savetta. But who he'll be healthy for when we get to Japan? Like he was. I hope. Been, I hope. I mean, he's been doing all the fitness. Like you can't uh, with with how dislocated that ankle was. You can't run up and down Red Rocks Amphitheater if you're not okay. Yeah, I mean, I hear that. I I do expect based on all the press releases that he will be declared fit and he'll be able to play. Will he be able to jump as effectively on a you know on a barely fit ankle? I think that remains to be seen, and you know I think we need him to be able to do that. So yeah. fingers are whatever they say. My fingers are going to be crossed till I see a, a successful line out in Tokyo. So so we get to the halfbacks, and I think you you touched on this that McGee seems to be the the knocked on backup because the rosters we've seen in especially during the PNC and even before that were. Uh, AJ at, at 10, Hooley at fullback, and McGee on the bench. And, and I, that gives you a lot of options to work with because uh, Hooley is pretty – I think Pace – I mean, my opinion is that Hooley and uh, and Will McGee are basically the same type of player at fullback. Uh, not at fullback, but at 10. At uh, 10. At 10. Um, and neither neither are, are AJ McGee. I think Hooli is better defensively, personally. So I, again, I would have probably picked Hooli as the backup ten. But it, if they were going to do that, that would have been this week. I mean, if yeah. you, know, you have a healthy tail as an option, and Hooli is still the fifteen with McGee at ten. That means to me, Gary Gold wants McGee as the backup. 10. Yeah, I, I look at. Uh, yeah, I, I think if I was going first choice, everything, and if. Mikey Teo is fit. He can't kick like Will Hooley can, but he can kick from hand. I might slide someone else out, put Will McGee off the bench. Hooley, 
as a backup, it, it, like for me at ten, I think I think Hooli and McGee are basically the same. At fullback, there's there's there isn't really a choice. Uh, I no. think it's I think it's Hooli is a better fullback than than McGee is. But even when in during the autumn when we didn't have AJ and Hooli got knocked out with a concussion, uh, McGee, you know, started and played well. I mean, we won that Samoa game, uh, and we won that Romania game. And, you know, 10 wasn't really the issue against, <laughs> against, uh, against Ireland. Uh, they were just really good, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, so, but this this halfback pairing, I, I think, although Augsburger's form has been better during this MLR season than Davies, with the way Gary Gold's going, I still think he's the third choice. So why start this game? I mean, is this uh, you need? I mean, you need that he needs live. He needs you know to be tested in in a live. Match or your third choice, not to be tested a lot. I mean, I guess, well, I mean, he's he's not going with AJ or Sean, but Sean's on the bench. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That to me, that if, if that's true, if he's the third choice, and I don't understand the logic of him starting with Sean on the bench, I mean, well, I, I look at that. He's still because if he didn't play in, in this game, he'll have he'll be basically be cold the entire way because he yeah. would not have played a match since the MLR final. So he'll have made as a cold third string nine, a big concern. I mean, that, of all the things to be worried about, I'd be much more worried about not having my starters get a warm up in September. Well, I think, I, I think there's, he's nine. going to play because he also plays wing. I think he'll, he'll see the field on wing. I, I don't necessarily think he'll see the field at nine. And all right, we'll say, I, I think, I think this is a chance if he plays well this, this week to be the starter at nine. So we'll see. We'll see what I, I mean that that could be that that could be the case. Uh, where uh, just historically, I, I think we've gone with you know our discussions when we when we text back and forth is like I, I'm I've been trying to take my head out of my head and put it in Gary Gold's head and see who are the guys I've picked. These are the guys I've picked, and the the way it's gone has been Davies. De Haas, Augsburger, no, Davies, De Haas, Boyer, Augsburger, and Nate beat uh, Boyer out for the starting position at nine in San Diego this year, played at a high level, and Boyer wasn't even on the fifty-man roster. So, yeah. uh, so there you go. I. My only question about this roster is really the halfback pairing. Uh, I, I want to – it makes me think it's about evaluation, and I think they're going to win. Uh, honestly, it's a strong – and then the, the going to the bench, what questions did you have? I mean, the obvious question, I think, is the inclusion of Khalifi, who, I, again, I love Al Khalifi as an MLR player. I think he's done a great job in Seattle. But the way the PNC went, you almost thought Chance Wengluski was going to be the starting loose head. Now he's not even on this roster. Either is David Ainu. Um, so, I, and it's not like a get if you're if you're looking to get a look at someone to make a decision on the fringe, and it's Canada, so you know, you probably could afford to start Olive Khalifi if that was the purpose of this. 
Um, so I'm, I'm confused by that choice. If you know, assuming that I knew and um, Chance with Lucy are both fit right now, which I assume they are. Yeah, I. This is the weird one for me. I, I don't. I mean, he he did have a good season before he injured his foot, and then yeah. he was in a boot for half the season. And when he tried to play on play, he just, Sears Justice or Justice Sears Duru like had the the lock on their on Seattle's loose head position. So. It, I do have some questions because I don't like if he's fit. Okay. Uh, or we're go. Okay. But then my historically, even then I haven't been a fan of Khalifi. Khalifi is a great guy. Love him to death. And I know that's like a backhanded compliment, but there are better players than him. Just, yeah. Well, he's, he's a hard runner. I love, you know, I've probably mentioned this a hundred times, but I'm a prop in my rugby world. Uh, I love props who can make meters carrying the ball, and at least in MLR, Khalifi does that. He's a hard runner. Uh, obviously, he was part of that 2018 Seattle scrum machine that uh, nobody could cope with. Uh, but I, but again, if that's if that's the viewpoint of him, is it just because he wasn't fit during the PNC? Because why was he getting such little love during the PNC? I mean, he was the and why was Chancellor and Glucy getting so much? Those were three you know, crucial warm-up tests before the World Cup where Khalifi got very little action and other loose heads were, were seemingly ahead of him. So. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's really – I look at – he's 32, which, I mean, we, we look at props. U.S. props a little bit differently. I mean, Fry is older than Khalifi. I'm pretty sure – let me make sure I'm correct here. But for the most part, I mean, our our, our props are young. Um, unlike some of the, like you guys come into their their prime at like 27, 28. So so Fry's a year younger than Khalifi, but the, neither of these neither Fry nor Khalifi are likely to be uh, you know on in our program uh, for the next World Cup. Fry, I know why he's why he's there. Why Ayunu and Wengleski are not on the bench behind him and Khalifi is, I don't know. Like that's are we saying um Ayunu and and Wengleski need are aren't are injured or need some rest and Fry needs to get a run because Fry does need to get a run. Fry does need to get a run. Um because we haven't seen him. Um, yeah. I mean, if he wasn't on this roster, I would assume he wasn't going to Japan. But I does but but is Khalifi going to be better than Ayunu or Wengleski, who are likely gonna be the the loose head props together as a pairing for like the next ten years? Yeah, and I, and I suspect they're all gonna go to Japan, right? I mean, this this is just twenty three. They'll be. When you get to the full 30-plus man World Cup traveling team, I, I suspect Khalifi and Ainu and Wengluski will probably all be on it. But um, I don't know where they're going to play. Uh, well, I, I, Khalifi can play the other side. And to an extent, so can Fry. Because who have we seen on, on the other side? It's, it's been – I think we saw Patty Ryan, but I don't think – 
Patty Ryan is going to Japan. No, I don't think so either. Um, I, and Dino Walton wasn't in camp. He was on the wider roster. So he's he's not going. So that gives you uh, two tie heads in TD and Mullen. Paul Mullen. So then you need, then you probably need a third because I think what we'll see is we might go three deep across the front row. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think we we were all might. So I I don't think Fry is going to be considered a, uh, an option at tight end even for depth. Um, no, I, I I think he's your first choice loose head. I think Khalifi. Yeah, I think Khalifi is the third tight end. Really, I think, I think if they if they use Khalifi, they can maybe get away with one fewer total props because he could, in a pinch, play either side. Um, I don't think there's anyone other than TT who I don't I suspect will be locked in at tight end. I don't think there's anyone else who's really an option for both sides. Um, yeah, TD you know, Walton would be, but I don't think he's going. TD for you know for a long time because Fry wasn't available and wasn't healthy. I was like. Yeah, I know TD's playing tight end. I don't care. He's still our best loose head. Well, now he's definitely our best tight end. Um, and you, we have options because Ayunu and Wengleski were not capped when I was saying that. Yeah. And both of them have now played multiple caps, played well. So um, I guess to wrap this up. It's going to be a dynasty of USA props for the next decade. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, what's the score? I say USA 45, Canada 20. Uh, no, I, I like that score line. I like, I like the gap. 45, Canada 10. Oh, whoa, man, 35 points. <laughs> I'm picking Canada to cover that. Uh, I, think it's a, I think the spread reasonably is probably 35. And I would, if I was a betting man, I'd pick Canada to cover. So, um, but yeah, uh, I, I think that's third. I think U.S. scoring over forty is likely. How much Canada scores, I don't know. So uh, that that uh, about wraps it up. For you before we sign this off, um, anyone on this team you don't think is going to Japan for the USA? For the USA, for me. Mm. Of this roster, I, I, I don't – on this roster, it would be, the only one I'd probably leave behind is Khalifi. I think Khalifi's I, – I, I think they'll all go, but I think at risk is Khalifi. I think Nate Brakely is as at risk. I think Malin Al-Pagori is at risk. I mean, they're going to go, I guess, but they, maybe we should refocus to be in, a, in the match day 23 in Japan. Yeah, so, like, I think Malon and Khalifi are guys that – maybe could could get left behind. I think Khalifi more so than Malon, but how many games they will play if they get on that 31, you know, maybe they'll play, you know, in the sacrificial match. If we, if we do that stuff again, I don't want, I don't want to have a sacrificial match roster like we did in 2015. I don't want to get murdered by 60 points. So, all right, there you have it, friends. And we will be back for the rest of the fall. Um, I think we're going to be recording normally on Sundays. 
uh, this time. And then in the spring, we will revert to, to Mondays. But I think for the moment, Sundays might just be a little bit more convenient um, since we don't have a lot of games to cover. So, And I hope you guys enjoyed Earful of Fantasy. Um, I need to listen to that. Bring back Melvin Gordon. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then. Thank you.